Welcome to this AI Group podcast. I'm Tony Melville. The Christmas season is upon us and officers across the country are gearing up for their end-of-year functions. What could possibly go wrong? To avoid the post-party hangover of an unfair dismissal case or worse, there should be careful planning and actions that minimise risks. AI Group's Nicholas Street has looked closely at best practice in holding workplace functions and in this podcast we will talk through what you should be considering as your party approaches. Welcome to Nicola. Hi Nicola. Thank you Tony. Hi. Uh, there, there, there are many steps to go through but we'll try and today get it down to say five key steps and the first one's about getting prepared. So what are the important issues to focus on as you're planning for your Christmas function? Well, it's important for companies to think about not just uh, the fact that they need to organise a Christmas party. Not, of course, not every business does that, but uh, many organisations do as a way of saying thank you to staff or to celebrate the end of the year. Um, but in addition to thinking about, you know, the date, the venue, um, you know, what are we going to have for entertainment, it's actually looking at um, also what policies you have in place as a business to to help regulate that event um, because as we'll see there will be a number of issues that can arise and often do arise in in workplace Christmas parties. Um, One of the issues that we um, advise companies um, to look at is ensuring that you have a a policy on appropriate workplace behaviour, specifically one that deals with harassment uh, um, or unlawful discriminatory conduct. Um, Unfortunately we just get too many cases of um, of particularly of sexual harassment occurring um, at Christmas parties. And if you don't have a policy to deal with that, then you are really going to struggle to find the right outcome for both the perpetrator, the aggrieved employee, and for what that can do to your reputation as a business. So you should dust off your discrimination policies and workplace policies, keep them up to date and get them, and also get them round to the workforce so people are made aware of them again? Absolutely, Tony. Yes, it's important that they, that they don't just sit on the shelf, that they are live documents, that they uh, are visible to your staff. And in addition to circulating um, your policies to your staff on a regular basis, we always suggest doing it at this time of year is always helpful. So we've got a Christmas party coming up. You should all be reminded this is the behaviour that we expect. That's right. And and it goes back to the issue of whilst uh, this may be an out-of-hours event and whilst the event may in fact not be on work, on work premises, um, there have been many cases where a Christmas party has held to be an extension of the workplace and, and generally the Commission and the courts take that view. So it's not, not just this discrimination, there's also work health and safety issues, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. work health and safety issues, there can be issues of negligence, um, um, discrimination law, um, the Sex Discrimination Act for instance uh, has a fairly broad view of a workplace, so we are looking at really if you are hosting a Christmas party, you are creating an extension of the working day. Uh, and there are various ways in which you can minimise your um, exposure to, to legal cases or to um, to events from occurring to start with, um, unlawful events. Um, but having a policy in place is the first step. Okay. So in that Christmas note that you're mm-hmm. sending out to staff, quite often a lot of officers and ones I've worked in, and I'm sure you have as well, have a Kris mm-hmm. Kringle or a Secret Santa. Yes. I mean, that's a good example of something you should be careful about. Absolutely, Tony. And look, the um, Chris Kringle, look, it's always a bit of fun and um, and we're not here suggesting that employers don't engage in that. It's a, a ritual and a tradition in a lot of workplaces and it brings a lot of entertainment to the workplace. But you really do need to be mindful of how you may organise a Chris Kringle. Um, we always say keep it voluntary. Um, Chris Kringle or Christmas means different things to different people. Um, and also ensuring that... Um, 
that the gifts bought are in fact uh, appropriate gifts. We've had uh, uh, a number of cases, including one from a couple of years ago, where a, a government employee received uh, a, a, a present from a colleague that he found rather offensive, specifically uh, a, a toy reindeer that uh, provided you with chocolate from its rear end, <laughs> with oh. the emphasis being that uh, it had some link to the performance of the particular employee in the workplace. So that wouldn't have gone down well. Not at all. Quite nasty and um, and certainly of, of poor taste um, by most people's standards, notwithstanding that it was intended to be humorous. So um, having, if you are going to engage in a Kris Kringle, again, I'd, I'd be educating your, your staff about what you expect um, from that process and, and having some protocols around the sorts of gifts that may be purchased and given. That's right. Keep it clean, keep it tasteful, and maybe put a price on it as well so people don't spend too much. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so point two, choose the venue carefully. And, and obviously there's some overflow from point one there. Are there yeah. pros and cons in holding an event on-site or off-site? Um, Look, yes, there are pros and cons. Um, if you ha hold a, an event um, on the employer's own workplace, um, whilst that can obviously reduce costs um, and it can give you a, a clearer line of sight as to how much control you can exert over what happens, um, you are also, because you do have that control, in some respects greater responsibility to ensure that um, employees behave themselves appropriately and, and that you're obviously still liable for events that can occur at that workplace. From an OHS perspective, you also need to consider is, is your workplace actually suitable for a Christmas party? If you're having barbecues, for instance, near a factory, I mean, that's a fairly obvious, you know, um, um, you know dangerous idea. Um, but uh, if you are looking at a, an external venue, um, then that can also bring its own challenges. Um, not too long ago, there was a case in Queensland where this is an example of perhaps thinking carefully as to what external venue you should choose, um, where you had a um, two companies, both in uh, hosting Christmas parties, two separate companies. One was a family event involving also children, um, yet they were uh, both chose the same venue and it was a boat. So you had one boat and two companies with one um, party having All together having on kids the same all, boat. All together on the same boat. Um, and that's, you know, <laughs> that, that's very cosy and it may have worked well, but in this case, again, with the supply of alcohol, you had uh, uh, from one of the parties um, a couple of employees who were using very foul and offensive language. Um, there was an individual who was an, an attendee at the other party uh, had asked the other group to, to refrain from swearing in front of the children. Not an unreasonable request. Um, despite repeated attempts to, to get the other group to settle down to you and to stop using bad language, um, the person who asked this, made this request, was in fact king hit um, and severely injured um, by another person from the competing party. Um, are here to go through all sorts of uh, hospital treatment and he ultimately um, tried to sue um, the, um, his employer and the employer of the other party as well as the owner of, of, of the boat. And the court in that case found that um, whilst there was a duty of care that the employer um, needed to show to the employee um, and that they were, um, you know, in, had to ensure that uh, the employee um, was looked after, in this case um, it was not reasonable for them to actually control and audit what was occurring on this boat. So um, without going to the finer details of that case, it is a reminder that employers 
um, do generally have a duty of care to its staff at Christmas parties, but how much and to what degree is based on how much control you have over, an, over the event and location. I suppose on a boat as well. I mean, boats can be great fun, but also you, it's hard to take people off them if there is a problem. Well, that's exactly right. Once you're on, you're on, and it's very difficult to get off. So, uh, look, I have a personal view that boats would not be my preferred venue for a Christmas party, um, but if you are an organisation that's looking at that, then just be aware. Uh, I think sharing a vessel with another group probably not a good idea. Okay. Now, the third piece of advice, which has been touched on, but is really one of the biggest risk factors, and that's alcohol. So what's the best approach in minimising the risks around the inevitable alcohol consumption and, and things that can happen from that? Yeah, alcohol is a, it's a very serious issue and, and obviously there's a, a high level of social acceptance that you know alcohol is something that um, many people consume at parties, including work Christmas parties. Um, I think starting at looking at what sort of workplace you are, um, if you're, um, we know of a number of workplaces that, that don't allow alcohol at all on site and that can include for particular functions. So using your policies there and your OHNS um, risk assessment as a starting point. But if you are going to an external venue such as a, a bar or a, a hotel, um, then you really need, need to think about what strategies you have in place to manage the flow of alcohol. And I mentioned before in that case on the, on the boat, um, alcohol was a factor there, but uh, there have been some many other cases which show what the damage that alcohol can do to people's uh, judgment uh, and ultimately behaviour which can um, be unlawful and then uh, pose problems for the employer. You can't rely on the, uh, the venue itself to monitor consumption and whether people are over the, behaving badly? Uh, you can to a point, Tony. So um, you can, and and we, if you are going to a bar or a hotel, obviously you'd want to make sure that the staff there, you know, are, um, are trained in the providing of and serving of alcohol and have their responsible service of, of alcohol qualification. However, you can't just rely on that. So that helps, but um, cases have shown that you actually need or should. Uh, have your own separate form of, of supervision and we say generally through through a, a senior manag a management representative. And, and, that, and that person as well would have the responsibility to keep an eye on people but also to pick people out if they really are behaving badly and act on it. That's right and, 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 so, and even to you know to direct people to go home um, and just to give you a couple of cases to highlight the role of alcohol in, in parties and how it's viewed by the courts and, and the Fair Work Commission, um, there was quite a well-known case back in 2015 where you had an employee who had had a few drinks before the work party, or the Christmas party, um, he'd, that he had been invited to from his direct employer. Um, it was fairly unusual. The employer had uh, sent out invitations to all and advised employees of the, the time and the end date and um, the venue for the Christmas party. Um, so he attended having consumed quite a bit of alcohol beforehand and once he got there uh, he just continued to consume alcohol for the, for the entire night. Um, and whilst he was doing so he engaged in a number of quite serious um, forms of behaviour, um, specifically including his uh, telling his uh, boss and, and the director of the company to, to F off um, and also harassed a number of 
um, more junior female colleagues and was all, had also engaged uh, allegedly into um, quite serious forms of, of sexual harassment against a number of uh, female colleagues. Um, in that case, um, despite his very lewd and, and, and you know, unacceptable behaviour, um, the Commission said that in this case, um, look, it's all very well for the company to, you know, to have its policy and to insist on appropriate workplace behaviour and insist that this employee abide by that. But when you're supplying alcohol without any form of monitoring or supervision, um, particularly where in this case, this particular individual was never refused alcohol by the bar staff, um, then the employer was found um, to be, um, could, not have, could not rely on its policies to um, um, ensure that this person should have behaved appropriately. Um, and basically that meant when the employer did go to dismiss the employee, which they ultimately did, he brought an unfair dismissal claim, the commission found that um, the termination of this particular person's employment was in fact unfair um, because of the uh, limitless supply of alcohol at the venue and the lack of the company's monitoring. Um, it's quite a serious case, Tony, um, and one that I know sent a lot of people talking um, in within a lot of workplaces. Um, but it should be contrasted with another case that was um, um, determined early last year in 2016 we had an employer Christmas party. Um, there was a, an afternoon of go-karting and then uh, returned to the employer's premises for um, celebrations. There was a pool uh, at this particular venue. And uh, again, the supply of alcohol was, um, was provided to employees, but also um, water and non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, and in that case, you had an individual. Um, unfortunately, there always seems to be one who consumes too much alcohol. He started uh, um, harassing uh, a, a fellow co-worker, uh, much to this co-worker's displeasure. Um, a bit of a fight ensued and then, quite surprising for his co-worker, uh, this fellow pushed his co-worker into the pool fully clothed, um, which is not something obviously that he appreciated at all and took offence to. Um, the company, as soon as that, that happened, realised, okay, this person needs to go, we need to intervene here. And his manager actually approached him and said, look, you, you need, to, you need to, to leave the premises. Unfortunately for the manager, the manager was also allegedly attacked um, by this fellow and, um, and you know, ultimately when it, it was all over, the company decided to terminate this guy's employment um, for his behaviour at the work Christmas party. So was that upheld? It was upheld, Tony. So in that case, um, this individual also had um, a bit of history about aggressive behaviour at work, so that, that helped their case. But also the employer did, um, the commission did recognise that the employer tried to intervene in this case. And also that, um, you know, perhaps unlike the other decision, the commission member, of, um, this particular commissioner member said, well, individuals do have some level of responsibility when they do consume alcohol. So whilst alcohol can explain misbehaviour, it, it doesn't necessarily excuse it. So in that case, the company's decision to terminate the employee's employment was upheld. Right. Okay, it, it sounds like a party to avoid that one, and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry everyone's getting a bit worried, but if you follow the five steps, we could be a bit safer, on safer ground. So the fourth step, or the fourth piece of advice is around timing, mm -hmm. setting start and finish times. Why is that important? Well, it is important, Tony, because it marks some clear boundaries for you as an employer in, um, 
in, in, in terms of communicating to your workforce that this is a work event. Um, whilst you are engaged and attending this work event, we expect you to behave in accordance with our policies, being you know, those policies regulating OHS and appropriate workplace behaviour. Um, where you have uh, a Christmas party that has no end time, you can find yourself liable for workplace behaviour. Um, you know, well and truly after the party's closure or, or after it's finished, including where employees may have moved on to other venues or, you know, including their journey home. Um, and, and that's where, um, you know, certainly in many cases focused on um, what happens at the after party. Um, so by limiting um, the event to a particular time, you are saying to your workforce, the event um, will end at this point. And at this point, you are asked to leave the venue or wherever you may be um, and as part of that we also recommend employers um, ensuring employees um, have access to safe transport home. Which is the fifth point but yes. before I just before I get to some details on that in that timing question the after party so mm. are there any liabilities for the employer in functions that happen afterwards and what if uh, sexual harassment or other so some sort of bullying occurs at an after party? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Tony, because certainly uh, whilst your um, exposure to liability um, is minimised, if you identify the end time of an event, you are not completely off the hook. And, and that's because there have been some cases, and indeed in, in some pieces of legislation, um, discrimination legislation, for instance, is quite broad as to what a workplace may mean. Um, you can still be liable for behaviour after the closure of the Christmas event, um, but it is far more difficult for um, liability to be established than if you were to leave your event um, open-ended um, with no finishing time. So our advice to companies is that to minimise liability is to nominate the start and finish time, but understand that um, you may still be responsible in, in you know, some extreme cases for events that may occur at the after party. I should also mention, Tony, after parties that involve going off to another bar where there's a senior manager uh, who puts their, you know, credit card, corporate car behind the bar, even if there's a, a notice saying the event's closed at a particular time, that act in itself may give the signal that you are still running a work event. So, um, if it looks like a duck, it's a duck. That's right, Tony, yeah. yeah. So looking at how, how managers behave is important at Christmas parties. Okay, and just on that issue, the fifth point, transport. What are, what are the issues that should be considered around getting to and from these sort of office functions and Christmas parties? Yeah, transport is important. We encourage all employers um, as part of their work health and safety obligations and duty of care to employees is to make sure employees have access to safe forms of transport homes. So even if you're a company that you may be in a more remote remote area or, don't or you may not have access to public transport, um, then you need to perhaps, you know, rather than let put employees in a situation where they are tempted to drive home, perhaps think about arranging a shuttle bus or some kind of transport for, for the company. Um, in some cases, we have employers that provide cab vouchers to, to its staff to return home. Um, we advise, you know, as far as possible, um, holding an event close to public transport is a, a good way to ensure employees get home safely. Um, so alcohol and access to an employee's own vehicle um, should be avoided um, and whilst employers um, you know, are not the ones that 
physically make the decision to get behind a wheel after um, consuming drinks. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing to even direct employees not to drive after the Christmas party. And you may even have to go that far, if depending on your own circumstances. Well, that's it. And yeah. just, just to wrap it up, and feel free to add something at the end, but just the five points there on your Christmas party planning, be prepared. Make sure you put out a note to staff and update your discrimination policy. And think about uh, behaviour that wouldn't be acceptable in an office environment and keep to that. Choose your venue carefully. Look at the pros and cons of on-site or off-site. Uh, the effect of alcohol is your biggest risk factor. Have some policies around that. Set f uh, very firm start and finish times for the event, but be aware of after parties and the implications of that, and be sure that people can get to and from the event safely. Is there anything else to add, Nicola? Uh, yes, so that, that's um, yeah, our tips for, for this afternoon, Tony. But also, um, you know, if things, things you know, can and, and do go wrong at Christmas parties, um, we always encourage companies, if you do receive a complaint, um, or you, even if a manager or a coworker becomes aware of a particular incident and, and, and that um, is somehow makes its way through various channels around the workplace, companies need to act. Um, um, certainly just sitting on an event like uh, that may be unlawful or has caused someone a great level of harm is, uh, is quite dangerous, not just for um, your own legal exposure, but, um, but to the welfare of your employees. So um, seek advice too, um, because in receiving a complaint, companies need to take steps to investigate um, you, know, th you know, whether or not the, the um, alleged incident occurred. And, and that's quite a, um, you know, it can be a tricky process, particularly if you're looking at, you know, you senior managers who are involved or, or where you are dealing with the effects of alcohol. So we encourage all companies to, to act um, if they receive a complaint and to investigate, but please seek advice because um, the courts require generally a, a high level of, um, of standard when it comes to investigations and that's something that AI Group can help companies with. So that's all from me, Tony Melville at AI Group and Nicola Street, one of AI Group Workplace Lawyers, top lawyers. If you wanted some further information, you can call 1300 55 if you're an AI Group member or would like to join AI Group, 1300 55 or info at aigroup.com.au. That's all for now. See you next time.